Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Hello and welcome back to the FIF podcast. It is me again, Nicholas Carroll. For some reason, I'm back hosting. Connor is not back from Toronto or wherever he is in the world. And I don't know, I've been given the gig again, somehow. It's unbeknownst to me, but here we go. I'm going to give it a shot. Let's see how this runs. And we've got the dream team back once again, following up from last week's epic pod. Joining us first, obviously has just woken up early in Melbourne, Australia. It is the one and only Vito Doria. Vito, how are you feeling this weekend? Well, I've been feeling disappointed basically because of the latest Serie A results, but other than that, still good to talk about Serie A and the Azzurri with you guys. Of course, and on the other end of the scale, probably someone a bit more happy after the weekend results, our favourite Neapolitan, who is no doubt celebrating from Napoli being at the top of the Serie A table. Can you believe it? Of course, Nick. It's, it's Katarina Mira. Thank you. How are you happy, feeling? Happy to be with you guys again. This has been an interesting round, a lot of surprises, and I'm, I'm happy right now with Napoli. I'm <laughs> looking forward to, to talk about, about the Azzurri with you today. Well, I'll say one thing. You're doing well to contain your enthusiasm, so we'll, we'll wait to get to Napoli for now. But, um, guys, just to start things off a bit differently today, I thought we'd look at some of the highlights of the weekend study, our results. So um, for both of you, what, what was the moment for you guys after watching the games that stood out to you as the, the kind of um, reached you in the heart, so to speak? What, what was the big moments for you? I'll start with you, Vito. Well, for me, my memory of the round was uh, Brian Cristante scoring the equaliser for Atalanta in the 2-2 draw against Juventus. The great irony in that is that when he was coming through the ranks at AC Milan, Max Allegri was his coach and he was the one that granted Cristante his Serie A debut. So yeah, it was an interesting moment there. And now he's also celebrating his call-up to the Italian national team. So great way to celebrate a call-up. For sure. And for you, Kat, what, what moments stuck out in your head? Uh, one of the best moments probably was Marek Hamsik that found the first goal of the season, finally. And he's just one goal below Diego Armando Maradona's scoring record of, of Napoli. So it's a great news for all Neapolitans and we're looking forward to strike this record this year. It's, that's, it's insane. I remember growing up as an Australian kid in the 90s in Australia, mind you, but to, to, to think that someone would be close to Maradona's record for Napoli, it was just it was unthinkable when I was growing up and now it's like it's, it's going to happen. I mean, it's insane. Yeah. What, is, it, is, it, is it exciting to have someone pass that, like such a godlike yeah, it's a, person? Yeah, it's a little or? bit. 
weird for Napolitan. Yeah. Maradona is the king. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's the thing. But now Marek is our captain and he's leading the the teams since 10 years now. So mm. we are happy about it. Beautiful. Uh, for me, I'd have to say actually um, seeing Alessandro Florenzi getting a goal, um, returning to the field, obviously, and getting a goal was, I thought that was quite a, almost a, tear-jerking moment. Um, it was good to see him back. I think he's a player with so much potential who's been so unlucky with injuries. So um, it was good to see him back on the field um, performing and contributing to a win for the Gialarossi. So let's get into the weekend of results. And we have to start with, I think, Sunday night's uh, match, which it would be hard to argue against that being the, the match of the season so far. Um, unbelievably incredible in that Juventus went up 2-0 within 24 minutes and you would be a very brave person to bet against them uh, 2-0 up. But somehow, somehow in Bergamo, Atalanta pulled it off, uh, Mattia Caldara and then Brian Cristante, um, as Vito mentioned, um, incredible, incredible match, incredible comeback. There was lots of controversy with VAR and everything. Uh, Vito, I'll throw it open to you. What did you think of the match? And what, did Juve lose it or was it a, as a matter of Atalanta just showing too much fight and grit to and truly earning that result? Um, it's going to come across as a bit of fencing, but it was a bit of both. But if I really had to pick one over the other, I would probably say that Atalanta uh, showed enough uh, determination, self-belief, as well as organisation to get the draw because a lot of teams would have just given up easily or not take it to Juve even on their home turf. But uh, uh, Atalanta were able to get that deserved point and... They were very confident on the ball and confident in winning the ball back when they didn't have possession. Kat, how did how did you see this? Were you impressed by Atalanta or were you more disappointed by Juventus? And we have to mention Gonzalo Higuain here. You know, we talked about him last week and we said, well, maybe he's going to have to have a bit of a stay on the bench but he scored in the 24th moment. It looked like we were all going to look like we had egg on our face, but then obviously the comeback came back. So how did you see it all unplayed? Did you, did you, do you think Juventus were at fault more or were Atalanta were just that good at home? I believe that Juventus strongly started the game and we've seen um, Iguain scoring again and it was a good 30 minutes for, for them, but I believe that Atalanta deserved the draw as the way of they played. They The game was full of intensity, especially in the second half. Uh, they never give up. They um, Papu Gomez was, has been amazing and assisted um, for, for Cristante. Um, and they stopped. Juve, and that's the one of the key points. Uh, Juve dropped points for the first time this season, and and as Allegri also said, they risked to to losing it on the counter. So it was probably a deserved draw, uh, also for 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 Juventus, and also we have seen a double of VAR decision and. It was <laughs> really probably one of the match um, of of the league that would probably be remembered for for everyone. Of the match, as you said, Kat, we might remember. Yeah, it goes to the you know the amazing goal. We have to say it had a big role in the course of this match. So, was it for the good or was it? You know, was it for the to the detriment of Serie A or for this match, Vito? What, what are your thoughts on it? Is it is it getting better? Is it going to help in the long run, or is it just a complete shambles at the moment? 
Well, VAR has its critics, but I'm a fan of it. I think mm. it's very important to have some sense of accountability for starters. And also, too, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist or very cynical about it, but, you know, I think it's a good way to try and stamp out any potential match-fixing situations. If we have VAR, it's better to take the time to make proper decisions at that moment instead of hearing it in the newspapers or on television shows saying, oh, the referee should have done this, the referee should have done that, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think it's better that we get the decisions right on the day and specifically about Atalanta Juve, I think it was justified to disallow Juve's third goal. And uh, uh, if it wasn't for the VAR technology, that goal would have stood and uh, Papu Gomez would have been more furious after he got the elbow from Licksteiner. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with that. I mean, um, from my point of view, Licksteiner was, if anything, lucky not to get a red for that. Um, but then you've got the, the also the penalty that um, that was reviewed and not overturned. Katarina, how do you see it? Do you, do you think it's, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's still going to come down to a lot of the times the subjective opinion of the person watching the video. So is VAR a good thing? And how did you see it play out in that match specifically? Yeah, after the game, I read a lot, a lot of controversial opinion from journalists, from former footballers, from coaches, and some, some of them saying, no, it's a good thing. And others say it's only a waste of time or it's no longer a football, it's no longer a sport. But I believe that at the moment is helping a lot the referee in in a lot of situations. We need to consider that the final decision is always made by a human being. So there will be always mistakes. It's it's impossible that he will never fix everything on the game, but he will help, is helpful and maybe the only wrong decision was made yesterday uh, in the in the second episode where the referee was of course called uh, to to evaluate the the penalty and they made a wrong decision in in my opinion to 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 give in that and but berisha as we uh, saved the the result but we have seen yesterday probably there were also um, it's a pro i believe for for football right now and it's in his experimental phase so probably they could change also some some rules and so I, in my point of view now the game is being more transparent um so i agree with with that yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's rare that all three of us are actually kind of in favour with VAR because from what I read, there's a lot of negatives going around the yeah. Serie A community and I can understand that. There's, but I think something that people have to remember is that it's, it's, it's not brought out to be a perfect system, particularly, you know, Serie A is one of the first, uh, the pioneers of this in a league, in one of the biggest leagues in the world, let's remember, so... You know, it, it's not brought out to be a perfect system. And as Katarina said, it's always going to have that subjective element of a human being watching the video. But you can only hope that it's going to be for the for the better of the league in the long term. And hopefully these kind of discrepancies will, um, you know, come uh, less and less in as time goes by and particularly the time it takes to have it um, completed will be shortened. So it's a wait and see thing. I know there's a lot of anger about it. And to be honest, I think a lot of the comments from the likes of Massimiliano Allegri saying things like it's going to become, you know, the length of a, a baseball game and stuff like that. I, I really, from my point of view, I really don't see how those comments help. And I think it's at the detriment of the league. And I think at least we're, we're seven games into the league and they need to let this let the league actually have a go at getting this right because 
for the last 10, 20, 30 years, Sedia has been continuously just uh, brought down by, you know, uh, conspiracies, as Vito mentioned, about match fixing and, you know, some granted and some not so much. But, you know, I think transparency is the key, as Katarina said, and, you know, the more transparency Serie A has, the better for the league in the long term. So hopefully we can get through this uh, area and in the next couple of seasons we'll have Serie A leading the way in world football in this area. Um, well, so Juventus lost two points. So we might as well go straight to the, the league leaders and I'll put this straight to you, Katarina. It was another convincing win, 3-0. Top of the league, how does it feel? What did you think of the match <laughs> against Cagliari? Take us through it. Yeah, uh, it was another good performance from, from the Azzurri and a desert result. And also a little bit easy, <laughs> was easy managed about, from, from the guys. And they established also a new record uh, of the club with 19 good results in a row. And, and that's a good news for, for Sari. And indeed, the last defeat of, of the season it, it's, uh, has been in February against Atalanta. So I believe also that another good sign is the, the goals that Napoli are scoring. We are now in 11 games, they scored 33 goals. And we are seeing that it's crazy. It's difficult to watch Napoli now scoring less than three goals per match. <laughs> it's something crazy. But the thing is that now it's coming the, the tough the tough month and the tough week, I could say, because Napoli we will go to, to Rome against Roma. We need to go in Manchester again, Manchester City, and then back to Napoli against Inter. So all in one week. So that will be a, a tough week for, for Sari, and we will see how strong they are. Now we, now we can talk about it after the, <laughs> these three games and see how, how they managed. Indeed. Uh, Vito, we don't want to go too much on Napoli because we've spoken about them a lot this season, but... Uh, there's a stat out there that they've scored more goals per match than any other club in Europe's top five leagues. They are, we, we all know they're absolutely amazing in attack. Uh, uh, do they deserve their top of the league? Do they deserve to be favorites for the Serie A now? What do you think? Well, I don't want to curse them too much, but based on what we've seen so far, I think they deserve to be the favourites for the Scudetto. Um, whereas in previous years, we've seen Juventus and then Inter before them dominate the league, but most of the performances were scrappy and they didn't really have a distinctive style of play. Whereas Napoli, you can say that there is a clear style of play. There is a philosophy and there's that balance between defending and attacking and they've really got that strong attacking prowess. It's not like they have to grind out results. So that's what I like about Napoli in general. As for the game against Cagliari, I think it just went to show what the quality between Napoli and Cagliari is like because Napoli's just far ahead of them and they made the game look like a training exercise. The second half in particular, I think it was just a case of trying to set up Kayohan for a goal because he had a few chances, but he didn't score. And, uh, yeah, you know, in, in other cases, you'd probably see one of the other players score a goal or even Kayohan adding to that uh, goal tally. Yeah, for sure. Um... So that that's that it leaves us on a nice little break for the for the international break now with a a leader in Serie A that's not Juventus it's amazing it's just I just kind of want to take a screenshot of the table not to you know insult any Juventus fans out there but you know it's nice to see something a bit different in Serie A so <laughs> let's yeah, let's just enjoy it while we can because you know who knows what's going to happen um, as I said we're not going to focus too much on Napoli this week but. We'll go straight to one of the other 
big matches of the, the weekend, let's say. And it was AC Milan at home to Roma. And Milan copping another loss, losing 2-0 at home. Roma winning with a 72nd goal to Eden Dzeko, an absolute screamer, um, I believe, from outside the box. And then, as I mentioned as my highlight, Alessandro Florenzi um, basically tapping in a rebound to get their second and taking all three points for them. Uh, Hakan Chalhanolu got an 80th-minute red, ca- uh, second yellow and a red card for Milan. Uh, guys, I know we spoke a lot about Milan last week, so I don't want to go too much into the issues at the moment, but briefly just from both of you, you know, we said last week we need to give the, uh, Montella more time, more time. Are we still happy to be saying that now or have we changed opinions based on this weekend's performance? Kat, we'll start with you and then go to Vito. I'm not changing my my opinion because Milan played well. <laughs> it was probably one of the best performances uh, by <laughs> Milan this season. So um, yeah, since Jago's goal, uh, Montella's team played better probably than than Roma, and I can see that Montella is working more on the defense and we've seen also Borini that was excellent yesterday. Um, And so overall, uh, I cannot say that Milan was anonymous at all. Uh, Unfortunately, maybe they probably need to work more on the finishing of the of the action and but they did well and they need yeah to improve maybe more on that. And I'm scared that changing the coach now it would be only negative for, for the team and also not giving the, the right continuity for for their play. Uh, so I know that the derby is coming and if they probably lost that I do not hope for Montella future will will depend on that I really he really needs maybe some more time I believe yeah it's it's a tough line of fixtures for Montella because after that loss last week they've he's had Roma and after the break he's going to have Inter they are two tough fixtures to have straight after you've been copying this criticism after losing to Sampdoria, as we spoke about last week. But as you said, Kat, the, when you look at the chances created, they, they were creating and they looked quite good. They uh, had 18 total shots to Roma's 11. However, they only had three on target to Roma's six. So if they could be more clinical in front of goal, it's, it looks like it's the start of something. There's, there's certainly some excitement. I loved seeing Andre Silva um, Andrea Silva out there, I think he's something special. And if if Montella can use him properly, I think I, I think there's big things about this guy. I don't want to talk up too much, but I don't know. I feel like there's something here. And obviously we know there is, I think Montella needs to decide on the defence. That's a key thing, whether there's the whole three-man defence versus a four-man defence because the three doesn't look like it works at the moment. But Vito, what... You know, I don't want to go too much into it, as I mentioned. I'm, I'm, but what do you think? Have your opinions changed from last week, or do you think there's improvement? Is he going to eventually get there? Well, as uh, you two mentioned before, it's a matter of uh, him getting his strikers to put their chances away. Perhaps uh, instead of starting Kalanich, maybe Patrick Cotrone could start a bit more because he had a good start in pre-season and even early in the campaign, both in the Europa League and in Serie A. So perhaps uh, Kalanich, he needs a good wake-up call or kick up the backside perhaps. But I, I still believe Milan needs to get that right uh, balance in midfield with a... Uh, um, whether Manuel Locatelli deserves more chances in midfield or or does Montella need to consider, you know, using Chalkanoglu and Bonaventura in the same side or use one instead of the other? And also how does Suzo fit into there because Suzo didn't uh, play and Chalkanoglu's out for the derby. So he's got the options, but... Uh, 
it's taking probably more time than what the Rossoneri fans would like for Montella to get the balance right. And I really believe he does need a result in the Milan derby if he's going to hold on to his future. But in saying that, uh, I think he definitely deserves it until at least January, you know, maybe get an additional signing. And otherwise, if this bad finishing continues and it's not a problem with the build-up play, then in hindsight, I think it'd be easy to say they should have uh, been more eager and splashed out the money for an Andrea Bellotti or uh, a Birmingham from Dortmund. Mm, for sure. Um, I, I'm with you 100% from my point of view, Vito. I think, I think Montella, particularly uh, the result that Milan got with a squad that he'd, um, we, he had last season, I think he deserves more time um, to, to have a proper say in this team, how it develops. So um, just quickly, guys, I'll just get a yes or no from both of you. We've just got a question coming in. Um, they've said, Paolo Sosa to Milan if they lose to Inter and Juve and they don't see any good football from Milan. Paolo Celso to AC Milan, yes or no? Vito and then Kat. I would go yes. I think better him than Ancelotti. Okay. Yeah, why not? Okay. Yes, okay. Yeah, why not? Well, I'm, I'm a bit more sceptical, but I'm a okay. Matilda's fan, so <laughs> probably keep <laughs> at least until January, as Vito said, so... Fair enough. Yeah, it could be, yeah. Okay, guys, we're, I, don't, I said I don't want to focus too much on Milan, so let's go to the other side, to the winners, uh, Roma. Um, we, we spoke a little bit last week more about Di Francesco, and he's made a positive start to the week, but I mean to the season, sorry, in his debut season at the helm there. But 2-0 away to Milan, and they've only lost the one match against Inter, and as I think I mentioned last week, they dominated for a lot of that match. They have a game in hand. They're on 15 points. They are doing very well. But I'm, from my point of view, I watch them play. I don't, I mean, for me, they don't, they don't impress me overly. They don't, they don't look like they're playing the best football, but they are getting results, which makes me think, I don't know. Di Francesco is building something here. It's it's positive and it's happening so quickly. But I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts? What are your thoughts uh, about Eden Dzeko particularly? I, for me, I thought when Mohamed Salah had left, uh, he had created so many chances for Dzeko and he created the most assists for one striker than anyone else in Serie A. So I was really concerned that he wouldn't be able to go on with it. And he's just taken it in his stride and, you know, at times he doesn't even need someone to provide it. He just gets the ball and just shoots, as we saw um, for their opener on the weekend. Uh, he looks like he's, he's playing with a confidence that I don't think I've ever seen him play with. So uh, what do you think about the way Roma's playing in general? Uh, Kat, we'll start with you. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you, do, but um, I know that Di Francesco is doing a great job uh, because Roma didn't let down their guard for all the match. He was always careful, focused. Uh, they didn't stop in creating chances. They blocked uh, Milan chances as, as well. And maybe one of the key was also that Pellegrini came in uh, for Strutman and that that helped the, the midfield a lot. And also Eddie Jago scored. Scoring, uh, Jago was uh, was crucial <laughs> again, and the jealousy was always disappointing about him that he was only scoring against the little teams and not in the big games. And he finally made it, <laughs> and so he's becoming more than fundamental for for the uh, Di Francesco. And also surprising, he scored his seventh goal of the season in six games and uh, that's a good good sign for for the um, for the team Indeed, I reckon Vito. this is yeah sorry oh, over to you <laughs> you know I, I jumped again that doesn't matter no I was just gonna say that about Jekko I must say I reckon this is probably his best form since 
He was even at Wolfsburg. I remember when they won the German Bundesliga, they had a Brazilian striker there called uh, Grafite or Grafite, and they formed a great partnership. And Jekka racked up some pretty high numbers for them. But in the last season with Roma and so far this season, he's just playing with greater confidence. He's much more prolific than what he was when he first arrived in Italy. And what I like about Jekka is he's not really that much of a statue, although he's a number nine. For a guy who's over 30, he's still got some decent mobility about him. And in Di Francesco's uh, philosophy, you you would usually need someone to have, be more mobile instead of be that sort of lumberjack or tree trunk centre forward. So it's good that Jacko is still keeping up those numbers. Although Di Francesco probably hasn't really played, uh, I mean, brought out his true philosophy yet, or the players haven't really implemented that style clearly, they're still getting the wins, they're still scoring goals. And if there's and Di Francesco, he's also getting squad rotations right too because he's managed to fit in Bruno Perez and Alessandro for Lorenzi both on the right side. He's given Lorenzo Pellegrini some game time. So in terms of squad choices, that's getting he's getting that right. Another thing I also mention is that Allison is playing well in goal, and usually I'm not really impressed with Roma's goalkeepers, especially <laughs> in the time that I've been watching Serie A. But based on what I've seen of him so far, he's a very good shot stopper, and he has top reflexes. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's uh, as you said, Vito. It looks like the the formation they're playing, and they have a lot of depth, which is good. And we haven't necessarily seen that from Roma in recent seasons, so. There's a lot to be excited. Obviously, Ferenzi is back, and you know, I'm very excited about that because I personally like him as an individual. Um, but, guys, what, I mean, where do, where do Roma rate now? Where, like, we've a lot of, I mean, the, the community, let's say, has, you know, talked up Milan so much in this, the preseason, and I guess rightly so. When you spend that kind of money, you need to deliver in some way, but... Lats, um, sorry, not Lazio. I'm jumping the gun. Roma, um, they're they're going about their their business relatively quietly. And as I said, they have a game in hand. They're on 15 points to Milan's 12 points, and they have a game in hand. So, where do you rank them compared to the likes of a Milan or even an Inter? Are they? You know, I think we kind of touched on it last week, but should we still be considering them as one of the favourites for the top three or? Do you think the likes of an Inter or Milan or even a Lazio are down the line on the long term going to beat them out? Um, Kat, we'll go to you and then Vito. Yeah, no, no. I will, I will think they could fight for a Champions League spot this year. Yeah, Di Francesco is doing a, a great work in this quick time. I said last week that I didn't expect this start from, from Roma. I was so surprised about, about Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? 
yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. ...about his work. And he, he has a good chances also to rotation, to, to do a good rotation with all the players. And yeah, he could fight for, for a Champions League spot as well as Lazio probably this year. Vito, what do you think? Uh, AC Milan or Roma? Who's, who's, who deserves to be the favourite at the moment for a, for a top three, let's say? At the moment, you definitely have to say Roma. The game in hand helps, but Di Francesco is doing a much better job with the players at his disposal as opposed to Montella, who is still trying to find his way. And also, you know, I think with his style of coaching, Montella still needs to sort a few things out, whereas uh, Di Francesco is probably getting his ideas through clearer than what the Milan coach has. So as I've said in the previous podcast, I still think the best is yet to come with the Giallo Rossi. The Scudetto might be too much out of their way. I don't think it's realistic for them, but another year of Champions League action, I think it's very probable. Well, guys, just before we get to the next Serie A results from the weekend, just quickly, um, last week we spoke about, we talked about Sampdoria, we pumped them up and they let us down. Um, <laughs> we didn't do too well. We jinxed a few teams. But one thing we did get right was with the Champions League, we thought this was Serie A's time, the representatives would get it right. And the teams we've already talked about, Napoli beat Feyenoord. 3-1, Juventus got a win, Uh, what was the score, Uh, 2-0 over Olympiacos, had a mind blank, and then Roma uh, with a small victory, I I thought it might have been bigger, but victory is a victory, 2-1 over Quarabag. So three wins for the Champions League representatives, which is good for Serie A, good for the coefficient, even though it doesn't matter as much now that there's going to be a fourth position next season but anyway let's let's just stick with the positives and let's go to we've talked about Roma now let's go stick with the capital city and go to Lazio because they are just killing it Uh, another incredible performance uh, 6-1 over Sassuolo that's after beating um, uh, winning 2-0 in their Europa League match after a 3-0 win over Verona last week in Serie A. Uh, the goals are just flying in for them, and their players are just, I mean, Chiro Mobile we've spoken about, but then you've got uh, Luis Alberto, who is just, he looks like a star when he is in form. Um, Lazio, what, you know, I, d- I don't want to keep comparing teams, but we spoke about Roma, but then we speak about Lazio, who they're, they're surely one of the most consistent uh, teams in Serie A. Vito, what do you think? What, uh, where do they stand? We've spoken about AC Milan, Roma. Where does Lazio stand? Because they seem to just continually produce. I reckon they're definitely up for another Europa League spot and depending on how the other teams perform as well as how injuries affect them, I reckon Lazio could even challenge for a fourth Champions League spot. But uh, so far, based on the performances, they're looking very promising and very exciting. Usually in the last few years, they had Vladimir Petkovic and Stefano Pioli, so there seemed to be a sense of second-year blues with those two coaches. But with Simone and Zaghi's taken things into his stride, and he's still getting the Lazio squad to perform on a consistent basis, which is great to see. As you just mentioned, Chiro Immobile is in sensational form. He's got nine Serie A goals for the season. And uh, Luis Alberto is another revelation from the Lazio team because uh, um, he's one of the most creative players in that team. So uh, I've been impressed with the way he's playing especially with the way he creates chances and the goals he scored too, especially the free kick that he scored. That was a fantastic strike. So um, 
from an individual perspective, Immobile and Luis Alberto are the standouts, but uh, I really just like Simone Inzaghi's uh, way of coaching. He's, in a way, he's got that mix of traditional Italian coaching values and he's mixing them with a more modern style. It's not just defence, counter-attack and sit on a 1-0. I mean, they defend, they, they do counter-attack quick, but they keep on producing goals and that's what I like to see. Uh, it's not just about parking the bus. It's, you know, keep things tight, but when there's a chance to score, take your chances. And that's what Lazio have been doing so far. 100%. Um, uh, there, there's nothing more, much more exciting than watching Lazio on the counter-attack. Uh, they are so thrilling. They produce, um, they, they beat so many players on the ball. Um, I think in terms of successful dribbles, they're at the top. Luis Alberto, uh, behind Papu Gomez, Alejandro Papu Gomez is a uh, has the second most uh, successful dribbles in the league. Um, he is incredibly creative and exciting when he's on the ball, creating. And it was good to see Stefan Drvaj back and scoring a goal. Um, he's and him even in defence, and and that's a key. They are very strong in defence. Um, he's I think he leads uh, the league in. Interceptions, actually, the most per game in Serie A, at least. Uh, Kat, your thoughts about Lazio in general? Um, we have spoken about them. Even last season, we've spoken about how they're so much of a, a team that works so well together under Simone and Zage. Where do you rate them compared to the likes of uh, Roma, AC Milan and Inter, all those teams that are you know, fighting behind, let's say, Juventus and Napoli? Yeah, I agree with Vito that I can see an uh, Europe spot this year. You know, probably more Europa League than Champions League. I don't know. <laughs> At the moment, it's difficult the comparison with with Roma because they are both doing great, and Roma is a new coach and they're doing well. Lazio with Inzaghi, that's working. They impressed me, uh, especially in the first half against Napoli. They they were amazing. And maybe they need only to be, they have been unlucky with different injuries. They only probably need to be a little bit more consistent in in some games. Like with Spal, they, they only made a draw with, against Spal. They were the, the first games, if mm. I'm not very wrong. Uh, but they beat Milan, they beat Juventus in the Supercoppa. And so it's enjoyable to to see them. And I'm looking forward to see them against uh, Juventus in two weeks. And about the comparison, I don't really know. I probably will keep um, a reward Di Francesco work right now between the the two the two teams of the of the capital. Yeah. Well, I, I've got to say, from my point of view, it's been a very long time since there's been so much, I don't know, excitement or promise, potential, let's say, from the top teams in Serie A, not just two or three teams, but five or six teams. And it's going to kind of all culminate to the next round. We have an international break, of course, but the next round to come, we see the likes uh, Juventus will play Lazio, as Katarina mentioned. We've got Roma at home to Napoli. We have the Milan derby. It's some incredible matches, some of the top teams going head-to-head, and we're definitely going to see where some of the teams lie um, against each other. So a lot to look forward to. So, you know, get through this international break, do whatever you need to drink, eat, just get through it, and then you've got a lot of exciting Serie A action to watch. But not to get too ahead of ourselves, we'll we'll stick with Serie A and um, we won't go too much into the other results. But, Vito, I have to mention it. I'm sorry. But we we talked up Sampdoria last week. We said, you know, they're possibly the favourites to get that last Europa spot. And Udinese beat them 4-0. Explain yourself. What happened? (laughs) Explain myself, well, if I was in Udine, I'd be giving those players a good kick up the backside. Especially Edgar Barreto. That was shocking. See, that was the thing that really decided the game. When Udinese went 1-0 up, it came through a penalty and it was from Christian Pujoni's mistake to charge off his line as far as he did. 
was very unnecessary. And then Edgar Barreto to foul Kevin Lasagna from behind. You know, it was for his second yellow card, but that challenge was worthy of a straight red. So that really impacted on Sampdoria's performance a lot. Um, the only excuse some can have, aside from Barreto being sent off, is that three of Udinese's goals came from penalties. So it wasn't like Udinese had destroyed us in open play. In saying that, though, a 4-0 loss is ugly, regardless if you finish with 11 men or 10 men. So I think it's an ideal wake-up call that if you get a good result against AC Milan, you can't slack off against the lower teams. And I hope it's a way that the players keep grounded, they stay humble, and they keep faith in Giampaolo's philosophy. If they do that, I'm sure that the results will continue. But uh, it's to do with that common sporting cliche. You've got to take things one game at a time. And a club like Sampu hasn't had success since the 1980s and 1990s. It's important to keep your head focused on the job and also to stay humble. And once we do something exciting, then we can celebrate. But uh, after... After one top win, you've got to keep up the consistency. You've got to keep performing. I mean, you can't just uh, take an opposition lightly because they're near the bottom of the table. 100%. Stern words from Vito. While you're on a roll, I might stick with you for Torino against Verona. Torino up 2-0 at halftime. Goals to Iago Falke and Mbaya Niang. And somehow drew the match with goals in the 87th and one in injury time, uh, Giampaolo Pazzini getting the equaliser. Vito, I know you wanted to talk about this. What, how did they not win this? What happened? Hmm. One of the things that helped Verona was that uh, Andrea Balotti came off injured with less than 10 minutes to go. And by then, Sinisi subs. So that made a big difference for Verona. Um, what I did like is that although I've been a huge critic of Fabio Pecchia, I did like his choices for the Jello Blue team. It looked like he's got his team in balance. He's got proper roles for the players that are in position. And although Pazzini didn't start again, he did come on as a sub and he scored the, from the penalty spot. And since his sub days, I've been a big fan of Pazzini, even though he's had his critics and his poor spells. I still have fond memories and great admiration for him. So if Verona can perform like they did and maybe get a few wins, hopefully it's uh, because of his uh, ability to score, his experience, and, of course, uh, uh, he got it from the penalty spot. But if he can add a few more goals in open play, that would be fantastic for him. Okay. Um, I've tried to be good because, you know, I'm hosting and all, so I haven't mentioned them too much, but just quickly... Inter has quietly snuck up to equal Juventus on the Serie A table. Kat, they were away to Benevento, uh, goals to Marcello Brozovic, who has been kind of outside the team and many Inter fans, I have to admit, including myself, haven't been too pleased that he's still around and getting game time, <laughs> but he produced the goods on the weekend. Um, but, hey, Benevento scored their second goal, in Serie A, so yeah. <laughs> congratulations to them. Not, not, to, not to take the piss, sorry. I don't mean to take the piss. But uh, Benevento, come on, one goal to Inter. That's not too bad. That's all right. Yeah, I'm so sorry for them because they tried. <laughs> they tried during the game. That's the game. And they really tried. They took two posts probably, if I remember. And, yeah, I was impressed that... They keep, keep, keep and trying, and but Inter managed well. Well, the game was probably not one of the best performances uh, of the season, but I was impressed about, uh, yeah, Brazil's goal. <laughs> well, then they surprised me, and it was their six wins in seven games. So now they are second with with so, so they arrived in the right track ahead of the Milan derby that probably had some some difficulties in managing the game in just some some minutes 
but they only need to be probably more careful and but they produce good chances and so they surely need to improve in certain situation but they are on the right road i believe well just quickly i'll stick with you pat i'm i know i'm i'm you know i hear a lot of amongst the inter circles around about the likes of brozovic and there's a lot of negative negativity that goes around about him what what are your thoughts from a neutral perspective does he deserve to be in that starting lineup or yeah, it's is... not one of my favorite <laughs> <laughs> i believe but for example yesterday itar did didn't play so well so i don't know is not so consistent brozovic that's the main point but it it's a good it's a good player yesterday was was good probably spalletti is working more with him and to keep him in the right pace for for all the 19 minutes and so probably will give us more surprises during during the season <laughs> we don't know yeah for sure i th- I, th- i think it's he's one of those players where we all know he has that ability in his moment to produce something special but it's how often he can do it and as the last two or three seasons have shown it's hasn't been too often and his attitude has somewhat strayed from where um, a club would want it to be but anyway you know it could be positive from here on out and you know Spalletti, it could be the Spalletti influence over there uh, at Inter uh, just quickly to run through the other games Bologna beat Genoa 1-0 Genoa, sorry, 1-0. I had some comments about my pronunciation. Um, you know, I've got that Aussie, really bad Aussie accent and I can't pronounce names like that. So my apologies, Dov, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> so other matches, Bal won all against Crotone. Um, uh, Kievo beat Fiorentina 2-1. We spoke about Fiorentina a bit last week. Uh, we weren't all too fond of them and, um, yeah, they didn't really uh, prove us wrong at all. Um, and that pretty much does the set ER for last weekend. But, guys, it is the international break. We've seen the Azzurri team named. Uh, can't say there's any two big surprises anywhere. Um, that I can see anyway, but um, Vito, your general thoughts about the team, is there anyone that you think should be there that isn't or that is there that shouldn't be? Well, it's quite interesting. After looking at the initial squad Ventura picked, um, it just seemed to be a case of same old, same old. He just wanted to pick the same type of team, keep it like a club side and maintain familiarity, which is not something that I'm thrilled with because he was brought in to implement more youth and I'm not convinced that he's really bringing that youthful revolution. Having said that, since he has announced that squad, There have been a few players we've had to pull out through injury. So particularly in central midfield, he's got to bring in players like Roberto Gagliardini, Nicolò Barella from Cagliari and Brian Cristante. So that's going to be interesting to see if Ventura gives them chances to play and if they perform well against uh, uh, Albania and Macedonia. So that'd be quite interesting. As for certain selections... I'm still not sold about picking Davide Astori and even Marco Parolo despite his two goals on the weekend. Um, I think the average international players. And the, the forwards, well, Belotti dropped out of the squad. He's been replaced by Roberto Inglese, who I think is decent, but nothing out of the ordinary. And uh, Edda and Gabbiadini, based on club form, don't deserve selection. I reckon Mario Balotelli's been scoring a few goals for Nice. Say what you want about his attitude, but I think he's slowly redeeming himself. Not quite there yet, but he looks like he's on the mend now that he's 27. And uh, the clown himself, Simone Zaza, after his uh, his uh, ridiculous dancing at Euro 2016, <laughs> I think he's regaining his confidence. <laughs> he's regaining his confidence and he's starting to score goals for Valencia now. He's got six La Liga goals this season and only Messi's got more goals than him. So if you're second to Lionel Messi, you can't be that bad and surely you deserve a call-up for international duty too. 
Yeah, it's uh, as as you said, uh, Ventura came in and you thought there was going to be a bit of a different feel, a bit of youth, new energy, enthusiasm about this team. But Cap, it hasn't really, you know, got us too excited. And as kind of Vito alluded to, uh, you've got the likes of Ider in there, who is obviously not performing at club level, whether or not that's his fault or the club's. But then you look at the likes of Andrea Bazali, you know, 35 years old, is, you know, is it time to move these players on and look at the next generation? When, When is the youth going to be given a proper chance at, at developing into the next formidable Italian team? Yeah, and then he's working with, with youngers. And in the future perspective, I love that. I really love that. But the thing now they need to be concentrated is in on the on the qualification that scares <laughs> scares me. Unfortunately, I'm really, really sorry for, for Bellotti who's not able to join the team this week and hope for a quick recovery. And also today Pellegrini was out, De Rossi was out. Uh, so it will not be so simple for, for the Azzurri. And I'm happy that he chose Inglese because I think it's a it's a great guy and he's working a lot with uh, with Kiewo this year. I'm also happy that he picked Zappacosta and Verdi is probably the the news of uh, of the team and I don't know if he's going to play. Probably not, but I look I look forward how Ventura is going to to manage all these new choices of the last minutes, that's the thing. And that will be the the big issue of the of the week, probably it was so unlucky with all these injuries. And I really hope that with all these changes the team will not be so confused, but they try to to be together and to finally get this qualification. <laughs> Otherwise they will be a nightmare for and for all the nation, all the country to to not get the the World Cup this year. Yeah, it's it's an incredible situation that Italy's in. And Kat, I don't know if you realise, but me and Vito are dying here because we have the Socceroos, the Australian national team, who <laughs> are in a playoff of their own. But not only do they have to play off in Asia, but then the winner of that playoff has to play off against Concacaf. So there's two playoffs that Australia has to go through. So I have, well, me and Vito both have Australia on one hand playing off twice and then Italy looking like they're going to a playoff. I want to go to Russia and I'm having heart attacks all across. <laughs> <Yeah. the country. laughs> What's going on? Is Italy actually at risk of not making the World Cup? What's happening? That's the what? thing. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. I, the, the the circumstance Italy had against Spain, I mean, it was, you can't say unfair. I mean, they have a system, but it was very harsh, you have to say. Um, are you worried that they might not make it or are you? Yeah, I'm worried. <laughs> really worried. <laughs> I would like to go to, to Russia this year. <laughs> I really worry about that. It will not be so easy, yeah? Also because uh, Panucci is the coach of Albania, if I'm not going to get wrong. Uh, yeah, he's so, replaced the Biasi. Yeah. What do you what do you think, uh, Vito? Are you, are you struggling like me? Because I'm not doing well here. I'm not doing well at all. Yeah, well, from an, an Australian perspective, I definitely want to see the Socceroos qualify. Although Australia lacks the depth it had 10 to 20 years ago, I would still like Australia to make the World Cup and actually do something just for the sake of spiting the AFL and NRL diehards. I love my AFL too, but, you know, just to say to the naysayers, we told you so, we told you so, I think that would be a good perspective. As for Italy, I think, look, I was keen to give Ventura a chance because I was convinced that he would bring in the youth a bit more, even though quite a few of them have been inconsistent or they've only had one year of Serie A experience. I thought he was going to be a bit more convincing and more determined to play these kids. But 
what's shown to me so far is that they've only the federation has only hired him because he was a cheap option and to get another coach would have cost more money for the federation so i really think he looks out of his depth at international level and fortunately there is this seating system so italy does avoid portugal which is good but it's these kind of situations where Italy has a habit of just making it hard for themselves. So hopefully the Azzurri do get through the playoff stage. And to be honest, uh, it looks like based on what we've seen so far, the Azzurri will just make up the numbers at the World Cup. I'm not holding my breath for anything. I would just enjoy the tournament for what it is and uh, not have my heart to emotionally invested in the World Cup, especially in Azzurri, because I'm not really confident in the way this squad's been progressing and how it's been evolving under Ventura. Hmm. It is a shame because there, there is a lot of talent there and maybe it's just a little too early for them to proper develop. But as Vito said, there is you have to say there is uh, some question marks over Ventura's management and let's be honest, not making the World Cup is simply not an option for Italy. It just should not ever happen. So let's hope we don't have to face that reality. Uh, Vito, I'll probably be back in Australia when that all happens, so we'll be arm in arm. Hopefully all is good. Australia and Italy will get through and we'll be cheering on for Russia. Um, but, guys, let's, um, I think we've gone on long enough. Uh, we'll bring it to an end. Thank you again for joining me in my um, filling in in this hosting role. Um, it's been very easy with you two on board. Uh, thanks, everyone, who has joined us. A special shout-out to Jax, who joins us every week and is always commenting. So thank you, Jax, for joining us and asking questions and always commenting. It's great to have people live online. We very much appreciate it. So we like to see everyone joining. If you're listening on the podcast, remember we do stream live on YouTube, so be sure to check us out. Uh, and if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, go on because you can see the likes of Katerina, myself, uh, talking about everything to do with Sedia, uh, Vieri, Dov, everyone. There's, you know, from all around the world, it's all good. And Vito will be joining soon, as soon as I'm back in Australia. So he doesn't know yet, but he will be. Um, LAUGHTER <laughs> So, guys, uh, before we leave, quickly, Vito, where can people find you if they want to find you on social media? Well, I've got my fan page on Facebook, so that's just under my name, Vito Doria. Otherwise, there's my Twitter handle, at Vito C. Doria. So check out my tweets. And Kat? You can find me on Twitter as Katerina Mirra or on Facebook as well as Katerina Mirra. You <laughs> <laughs> can also find me on Facebook at Nicholas Carroll or on Twitter at Nick Z Carroll. Thank you, everyone, again, for joining us. Uh, we've got an international break, so we might be back next week. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what Connor's doing. Maybe he'll have a surprise pod to talk about international football. I know we're very invested in the Azzurri's future. So uh, stay tuned for that. We'll definitely let you know what's happening there. But I'm sure the next time it won't be me hosting, so it's been a pleasure. Um, but working. I'll be <laughs> handing over back to our reliable and jovial Irishman, Connor Clancy. So we look forward to having him back. Uh, but until next time, from Vito, from Katarina and myself, for now.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm. 